We're looking at Luke chapter 2 today, and we're not going to actually read that. We're going to read a passage in Revelation. So start turning to the last book in your Bible, Revelation chapter 12. We'll read a couple of verses when you find that stand, Revelation chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. But our study will be in Luke. Gary read that for us already. And you all know the Christmas story, I'm sure. We, as a family, we read it every Christmas before we open gifts. We read either Luke or Matthew, and that's our little time, and we pray, and sometimes we sing hymns, and, and just to remember uh, what the real meaning of Christmas is. So we look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Revelation 12, 4 and 5. The Bible is talking about angels and, and judgment on them. But the middle of chapter 4, it says, And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Lord, you know who's here. You know what I'm going to preach, and we just pray for you to have your way here in this service, to speak to hearts, each and every person in a unique, special, and different way. Thank you, God, for being so awesome. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We think about the Lord Jesus Christ, and a lot of times we come to church and we hear the story, and we, we go through the program, and we leave, and, and maybe we're not changed, but we're reminded of some things that took place. Well, today I want to put, have you put your thinking caps on for a few moments. Maybe mark your Bibles or take a few notes, and I have notes after you if you need them. But there's so many miracles involved in the birth of the Lord Jesus. First of all, we think of the miracle of preservation. The miracle of preservation. Think of the preservation of lineage. Now think about this. Jesus Christ had to be born of a virgin because his line, his ancestral line, was so tainted with sin. Think about the people in his line and think about the things they did. We think of Abraham and Sarah lying to the Egyptian Pharaoh when he took Sarah into his house to be his wife. They were afraid if they found out they were married, he'd kill them. So Abraham said, Sarah, lie to him, tell him you're my sister. And yet God spoke to him and stopped him from touching her. Miracle. Think of Judah and Tamar. Jesus Christ, as you know, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And from he and Tamar would come, the Lord from Jacob, excuse me, from uh, Judah and Tamar would come the Lord Jesus. Uh, Judah and Tamar was his daughter-in-law and he committed incest with her. And yet from that line we would have the Lord Jesus. Think about Ruth, a Moabite, a Gentile in the lineage of Jesus. Think about the fact that Lot committed incest with one of his daughters which brought about Moab. And so we have Ruth the Moabite. Think about Rahab the harlot, a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus Christ. We think about David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a Hittite. The fact that there, there was immorality there. And we know that Solomon would be born and the lineage of Jesus would continue on. And in a few moments we'll talk about, when I bring everybody else up, we'll talk about Jeconiah. Also called Coniah in your Bible in Matthew chapter 1. Jeconiah is an Old Testament character. His name, J, is the word for Jehovah. The word Coniah is part of his name. But here, it's actually a literal translation of Jeconiah is signet ring. Think about that. Jehovah, Jehovah's signet or Jehovah's ring. He would be a puppet of Satan, so to speak. 
uh, just a rubber stamp for sin. And we'll look at that in a few moments and we'll recognize the miracle there. But think about the preservation of life. The fact that throughout history, people have tried to annihilate Israel. Now, why does everybody hate Israel? Why did Hitler hate the Jews? Well, they're, they're great entrepreneurs. They're brilliant people. There was envy, I'm sure. But the fact of the matter, Satan is instilled in the heart of sinners to hate Jews. Because from Jews, we'd get Jesus the Messiah. People will always hate Jews. Right now, we read our newspaper. We pick up the Jerusalem Post. We read about the fact that Turkey and Russia are now together and lining up against Israel. This stuff's going on all the time. The Holocaust, think about Esther and the plot to kill all the Jews. Think about the decree of Pharaoh to kill everyone to and under. Yet Moses was spared. Maybe Satan thought that was Jesus. But throughout history, and then Jesus specifically, Herod, the insecure uh, king who said, this new king of the Jews is going to replace me. Let's kill all the children to and under. Yet God, again, spares the line of Jesus. Herod was so evil, he killed his own family to protect his throne. Think about, as we read, the desire of Satan to kill Jews in Jesus. And so we go on and on and on. Even when they finally killed Jesus, he rose from the dead. Up from the grave, he arose to conquer sin. And so the, the, the devil is always plotted and planned, and yet God just miraculously preserves lineage and preserves life. Then you think of the miraculous prophecies in Scripture. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. 700 years before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, Micah told us where he'd be born. But thou, Bethlehem of Euphrates, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth the deliverer. But thou, Bethlehem. Think of that. And think of Isaiah chapter 9, 6. Again, 750 years prior to Jesus. For unto us a child is born. And it goes on to say he should be called the everlasting father. There you have the Trinity. The Prince of Peace. And we know again, prophetically, talking about the person, the place and the person. We find scriptures that talk about him being the stem and the rod and the branch and the root of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. There again, the lineage. Think about the branch unto David. The word branch is the word netzer. We get our Nazarene and Nazareth from that. Another prophetic statement. Nazareth was not a great place. It was actually referred to as the city of garbage. Because when the Romans would come to Nazareth and march through there, the Jews would throw garbage in the streets to make them march through their garbage. And so Nazareth is kind of a place where the lowlifes were. What good thing can come from Nazareth? Well, the Lord Jesus came from Nazareth, lowly and poor, born in a manger. And so we think of all these miracles, the perfection of Jesus. Isaiah 7, 14, another prophecy, 750 years prior. Isaiah again said a child would be born of a virgin, a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14. And think about the virgin birth for just a moment. We needed him to be born of a virgin for him to be sinless. Because if he had Joseph as a father, he'd be a sinner. In Luke chapter 3, if you turn over a page, verse uh, 23, it says here in Luke chapter 3, excuse me, uh, verse 23, yes. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. There was a real problem because Mary's pregnant out of wedlock. And Joseph's denying and certainly denying that they were, that he's a bastard. And so he, they were accused of that. 
but Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. So we need that for him to be sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he knew no sin. Paul in Romans chapter uh, 5 said, by one man, he talks about sin uh, coming into the world. Then he talks about by one man, we were made righteous. So he had to be sinless. What a great miracle, the virgin birth. And of course, he had to be born of a virgin just to fulfill that prophecy, Isaiah 7, 14. Think about prophetic statements. I marvel at the great prophecies we have that are, have unfolded and become true. I think about Israel becoming a nation. And people scoffed at that. But in 48, what happened? They became a nation. But before, 170 years before Cyrus, the Persian king, was born, 170 years before he was even born, Isaiah named him the king of Persia, Cyrus. 170, can you imagine if somebody brought that scripture to Cyrus and said, you were named in the Bible 170 years before you were born? I mean, prophecy that has unfolded over and over and over again. Now, if my group will come forward, we'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 22. Jeremiah chapter 22. And I want to just explain something to you uh, from Jeremiah chapter 22. So if the, the volunteers who I actually didn't, didn't give them a chance, rather than getting them to volunteer, come on up here. If you guys would come up, come on up and we'll uh, use them all. Um, you three, yes, thank you. And I, I don't, we'll have to figure this all out. But uh, we're, we're going to just sort of show you the lineage of this matter of Jeconiah. So this is Mary, and Mary, we'll have you, how about you sit right down there, and your husband sit over there and be Joseph, and we'll have, Mike, you're in a good spot, and you're Eli, all right, would you stand right here, uh, Eli, and stand right here, and uh, Don, you can stand back here. All right, here's the lineage of our Lord Jesus with a lot in between. This is King David, this 140 pound, five foot six guy who defeated Goliath with a stone. All right. And we know he had children, but two of his children are in the line of Jesus Christ. We have here Solomon. We have Solomon. All right. And we find the line of scripture from Solomon all the way down to Joseph. In the middle of that, we have a man named Jeconiah. We're going to look at Jeremiah 22. Then he had another son named Nathan. So you've just had a name change. This is Nathan. And the line of Nathan goes all the way down to Mary. Now, in both these lines, there was a lot of sinful stories. We told you uh, in our introduction about all these different uh, people and all the different sin. But in this side, there was a very serious matter. Look at Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 28. And this man, Coniah, his name means signet. It's translated Jeconiah. In Matthew. Why? Because when you translate from Hebrew to English or Greek to English, you come up with a little different spelling. The Ja is an Old Testament word meaning Jehovah. And that's why the Old Testament has that little Ja in there for Jehovah. The New Testament doesn't call our Savior Jehovah. It's Jesus, right? So we have Jeconiah or Coniah. It says, this man is despised, is a despised broken idol, it is a vessel wherein is no pleasure, wherefore they are cast out. He and his seed and are cast into the land which they know not. Verse 30. Thus saith the Lord. That's, of course, Yahweh. Write this man childless, a man 
that shall not prosper in his days. And here's the phrase, for no man of his seed shall prosper sitting on the throne of David. So you have this line right here. In the middle of this line, you have this evil man, Jeconiah. Did terrible, terrible things, idol worship. They offered ch children to, to false gods and sacrificed babies. Just an evil, immoral, horrible man. And the Bible says no one in his line would ever sit on the throne of Jesus. All right? But we know that Mary and Joseph would have a child at the throne of David, I should say, would have a child, Jesus. And the Bible said he is going to sit on the throne one day. Now, wait a minute. How is that possible when Joseph's line is cursed? Well, you know the answer to that, right? He would be born of a virgin, Mary. You see, more proof that we needed a virgin-born child, a sinless Savior who could not have man's seed. Did you know all of you were born as sinners because of your daddy? Your daddy passed his sinful seed down to you and you were born as sinners. We're all born as sinners. Everyone. In fact, Mary called Jesus her Savior. So we don't want to deify Mary. She's also a sinner. Did you know that? She called Jesus her Savior. We, we don't want to defy her either. We, we really appreciate what kind of a woman she was. Thank you for that. You all can go back to your seats. I appreciate so much your help. Now you understand that Jesus Christ got the right to the throne, not through Joseph, through Mary. In Numbers chapter 27, the daughters of Zilliphad, their father passed away, and they came to Moses and said, Moses, can we have a right can we be the beneficiaries of our father's authority and his, his, uh, his, his, everything he has being daughters? He had no son. And what did Moses say? Yes, when there's no sons, the daughter has all the rights of the family. So Jesus Christ had a physical right to the throne through Mary. So you see, he's a legitimate child of David. Even though all the sin in the line of Jesus Christ, he's born of a virgin. Isn't that awesome to think of that? How all that fits together. And yet you look at all the sin and all the mistakes and you just have to thank God for it. So we not only have a miraculous preservation and prophecy, but miraculous presentation. Remember, an angel came to the shepherds and told them about the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, they were in the same country. Just, it just so happened. There's no accidents with God. God's sovereign. Here they are. They were believers. Always look for the Lord's coming. And the angel said, he's born. He's in Bethlehem. And the angel told them all about it. When Jesus was a toddler, perhaps a year to two years old, the wise men came. Uh, and so he wasn't an infant when the wise men came. He was a couple of years old. He was a toddler. And they came. We don't know how many there were. There were probably three, but there could have been six. The reason we believe three is because of three gifts. And they bought, brought gold, and they bought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. And those are all very significant. These wise men were astrologers. That's what the word magi means. It means astronomers or astrologers. And remember, they studied the zodiac, the 12 divisions of stars. Now ignore your paper and the horoscope. That's all baloney today. 
But the Bible said stars were given as signs and they followed a star from part of that zodiac, the tribe of Judah perhaps, and followed that star and found out where Jesus was. And so we had this presentation to the shepherds uh, with the angels and to the wise men with a star. And think about all the people. Think about Herod. He didn't know the word. Remember Herod was a great builder, but he was an Edomite, a child of Esau. And he hated Jews. Uh, he, he didn't treat them good. And he asked where Jesus was. He was insecure. He envied the fact that this king was coming. And so he had a plan to kill him. The scribes knew the word, but they didn't obey it or believe it. I mean, they just did not accept the fact that this would be the king. And, and the, but the wise men knew the word and they believed the word. And you've heard all those great Christmas phrases, wise men still seek him. And uh, I, I've added a few wise men uh, uh, still obey him, you know. And think about the wise men. They brought forth several things. They were wise, first of all, because they followed a star. They followed a light. And we should also follow the light of the word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light in our path. Then, then we find they were wise because they gave Christ their best. And that's what we should do, give him our best, starting with our bodies. And they brought these gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. In a moment, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 60. But gold always speaks in the Bible of deity. And it, it's something that's really reserved for a king. It speaks of his kingship. Frankincense always speaks of his fragrant love, frankincense. And it points to the fact that he's a priest. Frankincense was used in the tabernacle quite often in the offertory system. Always used, uh, always a, a, a blessing to people. It was a wonderful smelling substance. And then myrrh. And that's an interesting one because myrrh is, uh, uh, speaks of a sacrificial death. Where the others speak of him as a king and a priest, myrrh speaks of his death. It was used for embalming. Prepare someone for burial. That's what they use myrrh for. Look at John, and then we'll go to Isaiah. I can look at John and read it to you if you don't have time, but if you can get there quickly. John chapter uh, 19, we find here Nicodemus. Remember Nick at night? Uh, Nick got saved at night, embarrassed. He comes to Jesus in the darkness and says, you know, you're doing all these miracles. You've got to be from God. And what does God say to this very religious man? Don't be surprised. Marvel not, he said. Don't be surprised what I have to say to you. You must be born again. Did you know religion's never gotten anyone to heaven? I don't care how religious you are. I don't care if you've been baptized. If you've never trusted Jesus and repented of your sins, you're going to hell. And so we find here clearly that Nicodemus here, now a believer in chapter 19 of John, verses uh, 39 and 40, and there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then he took the body of Jesus and wound him in linen clothes with the spices as a manner of the Jews is to bury. So myrrh always speaks of the burial. Now go with me to Isaiah chapter 60. It's interesting here. Isaiah chapter 60. Great Old Testament prophetic statement again. Isaiah chapter 60. And we find here in Isaiah chapter 60, <clears throat> a couple of verses. Verse 6 is the main verse we want to look at. 
But here we find in verse 6, the multitude of camels shall cover thee. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, they shall all from, she, from Sheba come. And here's a prophetic statement. Now this is talking about the future glory of Zion, the future kingdom. And look what it says here. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. This Hebrew word, I had a great Hebrew professor. I wasn't the greatest student. I, I passed and got through, but he was great. But, but, but he taught me enough to, to learn some great things about the Bible. And this word incense comes from a Hebrew word that is always translated two ways, either incense or frankincense. Translated that throughout your Bible. You find the word frankincense elsewhere in the Old Testament. It's this word. But it's never translated myrrh. Never. So here in the future kingdom, we have people bringing gold and frankincense, but not myrrh. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because Jesus died and was buried once. Amen. He never needs to be buried again. Next time he comes, he'll be the priest and the king. He will no longer be a sacrifice. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He'll sit on the throne and rule for a thousand years on this earth. That's awesome stuff that they will honor him and recognize him in that way. Think of that. I, I think about my own self. I, I've said this before. I don't deserve to be a pastor. I was a rabble rouser. I was a sinner. Yet God saved me and called me. I'm so blessed and fortunate. But God also saved me from my sins when I was unworthy. And I was worthy of hell and death. But he sent Jesus in Bethlehem and 33 and a half years later to, to die on the cross for my sins. And his sacrifice, him being righteous, made me righteous once I put myself in his hands. I repented and became part of Christ. I'm in Christ, and because I'm in Christ, I'm righteous in God's eyes. So I'm so thankful for the fact that when he comes again, he won't need to die again. But I think about the, how he presented himself to the shepherds and the wise men. Then in Luke chapter 2, to Simeon. Now normally I go verse by verse through passages. You know how I do it. And word by word, we're not doing that today. But we're going to look at some verses here as we close. Luke chapter 2, verse 26. We find Simeon. How he presented himself to the shepherds and the wise. And then we find Simeon. Luke 2, 26 and 30. Here it says, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the, Lord, the Lord's Christ. Verse 30. And Simeon says, For mine eyes, he said, I'm ready to die. He goes on to say, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, I'm doing a little typology here, a little play on words. But did you know Simeon was ready to die because he'd seen the Lord? But you know what? If you haven't met the Lord, you're not ready to die. If you don't know Jesus today, you'll go to hell forever and ever. It's, it's not just about praying a simple prayer. We can take little kids and talk them into praying a prayer. And there's been so many young kids that prayed a prayer, and I'm thankful for the sinner's prayer. But later they said, I don't remember, I don't understand, but I know I'm not saved. It's not about being baptized. 
It's not about being a member of Anchor of Hope. It's about having a time in your life when you realized you're a sinner and realize Jesus Christ died for your sin. And the only way that you can escape hell is by putting your trust in him. I am the way, he said. I am the truth and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And Timothy said, for there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not wonderful Mary, not Simon Peter. Some churches say, well, Mary and Peter never sinned. Well, Mary said she needed a Savior. And some say she never had other children. The Bible said she had other children. Some say Peter was never married, but he had a mother-in-law. Who would want a mother-in-law if they weren't married? No. <laughs> and Peter, we find all this kinds of sins recorded in the Scripture. Try to cut a guy's head off and God is here. Cursed and swore at the Lord. You're not washing my feet. Denied the Lord several times. He was a hypocrite, a, a respecter of persons. Paul called him out and said, when the Jews are around you, don't have anything to do with the Gentiles. When the Jews are absent, you're nice to, nice to the Gentiles. So Peter wasn't sinless, nor was he a single man. That's all nonsense. In fact, Paul had been a Pharisee, and Pharisees were required to have a wife. I don't know what happened to Paul's wife, but he was single when he was ministering for the Lord. But Peter was married. And, but they're great people, but there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. It's not your pastor. I'm just a sinner like you. I battle old Dan every day. I told you that joke about the preacher didn't want to go to church. And his mom kept saying, get up, get up. You're going to church. She said, I don't want to. And she said, you have to. He said, why? He said, because you're the preacher. You know, I'm just like you are. A sinner saved by grace. In God's eyes, I'm a saint. But James looks at me from a human perspective and says, you know, I need to see some works and some fruit. Paul talks about from God's perspective, God sees me as sinless. But a saint I ain't in your eyes. All right? So without Jesus Christ, your sin's not paid for. And you'll be separated from him. Then Anna in chapter 2, we're not going to turn there, but the Bible teaches that she looked like others in Israel for redemption. And the idea is to be on your tiptoes with anticipation. We're supposed to be that way about Jesus' rapture. You know, we're supposed to be looking for his coming and eventually his return to the earth. So he presents himself to Simeon and to Anna. And then he presents himself to the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Do you know God loves sinners enough to send Jesus? And I think of all the people this year who are thinking about Christmas. All the different people of the world. The fairy tale crowd. I mean, I know People just really work hard to lift up Santa Claus during this holiday season. I mean, they really get into Santa Claus. And that's fun, and I enjoyed Santa Claus and all that as a kid. But a lot of people miss the real meaning, don't they? And we have the, the merry Christmas crowd, the party crowd. They put plenty of Seagram 7 in their eggnog, you know, and it's all about partying and getting drunk. And then you have the busy crowd, like the innkeeper. No time for the Lord. I make a lot of money this Christmas season. I'm not going to think about church and all that. I, it's my big season of sales. We think about the important insecure people like Herod and the self-righteous Pharisees, the people who don't need to repent because they're so good. The power-hungry Roman crowd, you know, we have people like that. All these people may put lights up 
and give out gifts. And maybe even like the Nazarites who took Jesus for granted. Do you know people in his own, own hometown wouldn't receive him? His own family didn't receive him till after his resurrection. His own brothers. The people in his own town, his own town rejected him. Didn't trust him. And what did Jesus say? Woe unto you of Bethsaida and Chorazin. You had all, the, and I'm paraphrasing, you had all the miracles. You saw everything that happened and you didn't accept me. It'd be better for you to have been from Sodom than to have had opportunity after opportunity and reject Jesus. And that's why I've said this before. Months ago I said this, I'll say it again. I feel sorry for the people of Rossville, Fort Oglethorpe, and Eastridge that aren't saved. With Bible colleges, bookstores, Christian radio, and churches on every corner. You know, all the splits and all the new churches. There'll still be new churches, all these churches. All these opportunities, the radio and TV and everything, and to reject Christ and go to hell. What's it going to be like when they stand before God? And he said, you had all those opportunities to be saved, but you never wanted to turn from your sin. You see, repentance requires humility. To admit you're a rotten sinner and to be saved requires humility. And so all those people, he presents himself to them. And today he presented himself to you. Today he made it very clean, clear, didn't he? The Holy Spirit made it clear to you that Jesus Christ is the reason for the season, as that old slogan goes. And if you leave here today without Jesus Christ, it's going to be the saddest moment in your eternity. Because one day you have to face him. You know the word fears in our text. He says, fear not to Mary and fear not to others. That's that word phobia. It's a Greek word. Do you know that when you have to stand before God, you're going to have a phobia like no other. You'll be shaking in your boots, trembling and afraid. But it's too late. If you don't get saved in this dispensation when you have an opportunity, you're going to go to hell. And the second resurrection at the great white throne judgment is going to be a terrible, terrible thing. Where every knee is going to bow, but unfortunately, bowing, begging for forgiveness. Be saved so if the rapture takes place, you go out with Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. God, we thank you. Lord, I know that you give us all the answers to our questions in your word. You've made it very, very plain that we need to be born again. God, if there's anybody here today who's not a believer and wants to be saved, help them right now as we're praying to come forward. We can have someone share with them the scriptures. Or maybe they understand and they can just come forward and say, I want to be saved. Forgive me for my sin. Save me, Jesus. Lord, that's the reason for today's church service. To recognize the Savior of the world. Be with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.